0: When Congress renewed the Small Business Innovation Research, or SBIR, program and the Small Business Technology Transfer, STTR, program last fall, you could hear a collective sigh of relief from the federal community. Many experts expounded on the importance and value of SBIR and STTR, but data to drive home that point, that was not so easy to find. Raj Sharma is the founder and CEO of the Public Spend Forum. He walks executive editor Jason Miller through some new data that illuminates the SBIR and STTR programs like never before. The program has grown over the past few years from approximately 2.8 billion in 2018 to 3.7 billion now, which is great. One interesting finding was that, you know, we're seeing at a without the category level view Cyber phase two funding has increased 37%, while cyber phase one funding has stayed about the same. And why that matters if you don't know the cyber program, phase one are smaller investments, lots of let's say bets like venture capital makes on experiments and prototyping and initial research, right? And then from phase one, you take technologies or, or those experiments and say, okay, can we actually further develop them into phase two? So I think that's a good sign that phase two has grown to, by 37%. That means more of those technologies are being funded to grow, right? And to further develop, right? And then we are looking at even phase three commercialization because that's the ultimate where some of the criticism of the program has come in is are we actually taking these and making them programs of record, for instance, some of these technologies? And and so we are documenting that, but that's one good thing that we saw. In terms of where the money's being funded, I personally was actually surprised when I saw biotech and medical technology By far, about 6.5 out of the 17 billion over five years. So, from 2018 to 2022, there were about $17 billion in initial awards made for Cibra and uh, STTR. 6.5 billion approximately was towards biotech and medical tech. So that's a huge amount. And we were surprised, but maybe we shouldn't be because a lot of funding goes into medical research, right? Drug development, et cetera. And that's what we saw. Drug and vaccine development is a big area that, where there's funding. And then after that, some other categories like manufacturing related. We know that's a focus of the administration and growing the manufacturing sector and also in DOD, et cetera. So there were about $3 billion collectively that's going towards manufacturing type initiatives. So that was great to see. And then there are a number of other ones like energy, of course. We were surprised with a couple of other ones like microelectronics not being as large, but we see the growth coming in those areas because there's so much focus in that. So that was number two. And then a couple of other things to point out. You know, one of the most interesting things, Jason, that we looked at was great technology investments. We always talk about that, but we also know technology, we invest in it because we're trying to solve some problem. So, we need to better understand what problems are we trying to solve, so that 's one of the deeper questions so i was it was interesting to look at some of the information that we glean through our AI approach. So we use a lot of our AI algorithms that are built, built over time to help us glean some of these answers so, for instance, do, just give you one or two examples. first of all, aerospace defense, medical tech, manufacturing type are uh, big areas of investment. The types of use cases, so if we take manufacturing. Smart factory automation, right? That's a very specific type of use case to looking at whether it's at the depot level and other places, how can we do a factory automation? And that's a use case. In medical tech, drug and vaccine development is a huge focus, as I mentioned. In aerospace and defense, intelligence, surveillance, and reconnaissance, huge area of use case, right? And then you look at the technologies below that.
1: You mentioned phase one, phase two funding, and I think that that was also something that stood out to me, just the amount of money mm-hmm. going into it. But one thing that I was looking for was the phase three discussion. So you said you mentioned the phase three discussion, is something you're still working through right now, or is that something that's a, a separate research project?
0: Yes, no, uh, absolutely. If that's such an important one. And again, some of the data issues there. Right, phase three is there's no official phase three per se, right? So you can move from phase two, and then after that, in agencies, it's not funded through congressionally appropriated funds for cyber right anymore. So then you can line up funding. But phase three, it's a little bit more difficult because sometimes companies may go out and get a contract, an IDIQ contract, and it might be A follow on from the work that's been done through phase two, but it's not easy to find the relationship between the two things. So we're working on that. The second thing is there are contracts that are clearly labeled phase three, but there are fewer. So we would undercount a lot. And I think that's one of the issues when we start criticizing or making critiques about without real data behind it. And I don't think policymakers should be making decisions without really good evidence behind them. Some of our initial findings, right, where we looked at how many companies get private capital after if they're first funded by a CIBER. It's an interesting question that we actually had in Elvira White House discussions as well. So, is government R and D funding helping companies raise money, and so then they can get private capital because government isn't going to fund everything? So, we found out of the ten thousand companies, six hundred fifty five companies. Now a lot more got funded, by the way, private capital out of the 10K. But six fifty-five of them first got Ciber funding and then got private capital. Now is is the Ciber the reason they got private capital? We're not sure, but I think that's a good thing to know, right? So I, I think there are these positive signs that are coming out, and but we're gonna kind of refrain from fully commenting on.
1: You mentioned the categories, and you know, I guess biotech and medical technologies is was less surprising to me. But what stood out was the, obviously, the AI autonomy and then also the space areas. Again, probably not surprising that these were very popular areas, but what does it tell you when you went through the categories and what does it tell you about where the focus, what can people take from this, whether contractors or other agencies, about where the prioritization or where the, where the excitement is among uh, agencies for investment in SBIR and
0: STTR? Yeah, and I think this is the fundamental question we started with, right? And we saw there was a need for this kind of deep dive by categories and by technologies and use cases. So I think the areas we see, right? We highlight trusted AI and autonomy grew by 248%. That kind of makes sense, right? AI plus autonomy, drones, et cetera, right? Electric vehicle, you see a lot of investment in autonomy, right? So the combination of the two, Uh, That's 248%. That was the highest growth we saw in any category. Number one, then space grew by almost 100%. And that makes sense too. We see a lot of activity right now with the space force being stood up.
1: In many ways, the focus on, as you said, AI autonomy, space, it's almost to be expected. Were there any areas that maybe didn't get as much attention about from in terms of the big numbers, but you were maybe surprised by how much
0: it, it did grow. Well, I think one interesting area, just because of, I think, what's happening with climate and all the all, all the things you see lately, right? Whether there's storms coming in and everything, right? Just more and more, let's say, climate events happening. The natural disaster mitigation tech, you know, we see some growth in that area. There's are some interesting use cases, and I, I need to dive deeper into that myself. But if you were to ask us, where are we seeing some growth? I think that's one probably not so obvious and not always talked about. But there's some interesting technology, for instance, natural dis- disaster, you know, whether it's supply chain risk technology that helps you predict, hey, there's a disaster happening somewhere. How do you manage, right, your supply chain? Or for emergency preparedness or responding, there are sensors and drones, right, Dro- uh, sensors being dropped from zones into disaster areas, right, to, to get a scan of the entire area and see what's going on. And and so I think you're going to see more, un- you know, in some ways, unfortunately, because the number of disasters is increasing and events are increasing. So I think that was one area that I saw and we see more happening, just as I think not, not something that's talked about enough. Raw Sharma, founder and CEO of Public Spend Forum. Check out the report and all of the data on SBIR at federalnewsnetwork.com.
2: Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I'm your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Dr. David Wilson, president of Morgan State University. David has had a fascinating career and has garnered a long record of accomplishments from more than 30 years of experience in higher education administration. Came to Morgan State in 2010 from the University of Wisconsin, where he was chancellor of both the University of Wisconsin Colleges for the kinds of reasons you just talked about, that it's it's fulfilling. But can you talk a little bit more about that? There have been so many
3: so-called top 50 institutions in the United States that have come aggressively after me. And, you know, I flirted with a couple of them, and I went home to Alabama because these two were very serious. And my family is brutally honest with me, and they keep me grounded. So I flew down and began to talk with them about the society there that kept me from realizing my potential and then kept so many others like me from ever realizing their potential. At the end of a conversation that we had, someone asked Mr. Susulu, We're leaving this conversation thinking that you harbor no anger towards a society that locked you away for 27 years. Are we leaving with the correct conclusion? He said, I harbored no anger or bitterness